Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I'm going to go verse by verse through Psalm 122. It's a psalm of ascent. Basically, the idea is from verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. It's our word for this morning. You can have a seat. So growing up in my house, uh, as a young boy under my parents' roof, um, this was a pretty busy season uh, for us as a Fenske family. Um, Dad was part of the music ministry of our local church, uh, and so that meant he was involved in all different kinds of choirs or, or different aspects. So we were at church an awful lot uh, during Holy Week. And I'm going to just admit something to you in my own little wee understanding of all things that transpired during Holy Week. Palm Sunday was probably my favorite. And you know why? Because we didn't just have to sit still as a kid. We could go and all glory, lot, and honor as we were singing that one. I was dying here because we had to sit on our hands and sing. You see, as a kid, we were able to just go through the church with palm branches and sing, Oh, yay, Hosanna. And it was just a lot of fun. And then we get into things like Monday, Thursday, and people kneeling at the rail, and that confused the bejeebies out of me. Good Friday scared the heck out of me. And Easter, the suit and tie and all the people, and you had to sit still. Man, a church was long, right? Well, now as a pastor, I've learned to appreciate, yeah, Easter's kind of important. And... Uh, you know, it's okay when we have to sit still, but just the things that we do uh, when we get to go to God's house and experience uh, songs and praise and, and the music. Uh, were you excited when you got up this morning uh, to come to church? Did, I mean, did you look forward to it? 19 degrees on the weather? Boy, Palm Sunday is different in Michigan than it is in California. Did you prepare? To come to church this morning? You see, that's what we are talking about. This was a day uh, in the life of Jesus' ministry where the whole city erupted on the fact that he was coming into town. People were so excited that the Messiah was coming. They climbed palm trees. They pulled down branches. They couldn't wait to see him. And then when they saw him, they laid out palm branches on the ground. They took their cloaks and laid it on the ground also and said, Hosanna, yeah. I hope I don't fall out of this thing today. Um, they were excited to be in the presence of Jesus. They thought they were, he was the one that was going to come and, and rescue them from this crazy, messed up world. Now, the, the pilgrims, the, the people that would come to, to Jerusalem, um, they had to prepare to go to the temple to worship during the high festival times. Uh, they gathered with the other tribes of Israel, and they had to take a long journey. And so these psalms that we're going to be reflecting on, the psalms of ascent, are kind of to prepare the people to be in God's presence to hear his word proclaimed. Uh, and, and we're going to kind of go verse by verse with what some of these are. But what if you had to <laughs> go to church this way, right, by foot, this is the Roman road, the road to, between Jerusalem and Jericho. I mean, dang, you really had to kind of psych yourself up to go uh, to the temple. Right? I mean, this is hard trekking, especially if you were on foot. And so they had ways of encouraging themselves and just preparing their hearts for worship. Uh, and they were excited to be uh, in God's presence, to be fed and nourished with his word. 
And so we have these 15 psalms from Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134. And they have this kind of an upward overall momentum. But if you notice the different columns, uh, we have groups of three uh, within the psalms. And so you have 120, 121, 122. And and this is the way they kind of are structured, these 15 psalms. It goes something like this. All you have to do is just look at the English captions in your Bible. Deliver me, O Lord, Psalm 120. 121 says, my help comes from the Lord. So, hey, I got something I can trust in. I have some trouble, but now I have some trust. And then Psalm 122 says, I was, let us go to the house of the Lord. They were excited to hear of the triumph that they had. And so this whole section of scripture, these 15 psalms have this movement that ultimately is upward now yes there's dips there's there's lows it it, it goes uh i need help my eyes are on god Uh, my help comes from the lord and now we get to be surrounded by his people maybe over this holy week take these next five days if you would just go through these psalms the in threes and see that upward movement now isn't this our life as Christians. Aren't there times when you have a real big high and maybe it's being in God's house and you're glad to be here or maybe there's some good stuff going on in your life. But aren't there times also in the Christian walk and Christian life where maybe you experience some lows? And I'm here to tell you that some of the lowest lows may be when you have a family or a friend or you yourself are on death's doorstep. Worldly speaking, you can't get much lower than your life ending on this side of paradise. But the reality is for the Christian, we are up so much higher because in a moment, we are going to be face to face with Jesus, the one who rose from the dead and is still risen today and is walking with us. So, I mean, that's the the life of the Christian. Yes, there are lows, but boy, the ultimate fulfillment is when we're standing with Jesus. So we go from trouble to trust to triumph. And it should excite us to know that God is who he said he was. He is the Messiah, the one that people worshiped as he strode in on a donkey, but really because of what he did on the cross and in his resurrection, that's what gives us hope. And that's why we should be anxious to be in God's presence. So these Psalms, we're going to go verse by verse now. Verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The very next verse says, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Well, what's going on? I mean, one verse is kind of this, let's get excited. We're going up to church. And this, the other one, verse 2 says, now we're there. Well, pastor, this is only three, verse, three psalms in to this whole idea that you said was kind of an upward journey towards Jerusalem that they would use to sing. This is kind of their anticipation of what they're going to be able to see when they experience Jerusalem and all its fineness and its, its glory. They were excited to sing about going to be in God's presence. And, and now that they arrive or they picture their arrival, they remember what the city looks like and they take it in. They stop and they see the walls and just the majesty of this, the splendor of this amazing city and they and they just take it in they have to pause and take it in it's kind of like when people come into this place for the first time 
You, you know when they're here for the first time. You know why that is? Because they go, wow. And they take in the pillars. And, and, and this is unique in, in terms of Lutheran churches because it's white, it's light, it's uplifting when you walk into this place. It's not dark and, and, and depressed. It's, it's uplifting when you come here. You got light pouring through the lead glass windows or the stained glass windows. And people who experience this sanctuary for the first time, they're like, wow. And they have to pause and just take it in. That's, that's what they're doing in the time of the Old Testament where they're getting into Jerusalem. They have to, they're, they're just compelled to stop and just take in what they're seeing. Who here is excited by festival season here in Frankenmuth? Ah, oh, come on, folks. You know, festival season's actually quite important for our local economy. So, I, I mean, come on. All the hands should be up. I mean, this is key. Yeah, okay, thanks. But, I mean... Do you know what I'm talking about, right? You go to the south end of town or what some of you have referred to as the Canadian side of town. And so you, in Birch Run Road, there's a line of cars from that road up Main Street or up Garrow Road all the way, just car after car after car. And, and the locals are like, let's get out of town, right? And, uh, and you're like, wow. But do, do you know what happens? These people come from all over. And what do they see when they enter into the city of Frankenmuth? First, maybe they experience brunners, and if it's night, all the lights and all the goodness, it's just great. And then they come into town, and they see this little Bavarian-themed buildings. Do you know people stop and take pictures? They want a lasting memory of the experience of being in town. I mean, this town uplifts souls. Because especially during festival times, it's like food, folks, and fun, and Bavarian beverages, and we're like, yeah! <laughs> People traveling to Jerusalem, they would behold the city, and they would take it in. They didn't have cameras back in. They just had to freeze it in their image. And, and it was more for them than just food, folks, and fun, and, and they didn't have Bavarian beverages in the Old Testament. But they, they really came for the purpose of praising God. They did not take it for granted. When they celebrated their high festival, say they couldn't wait to get there. And how often that you and I take this blessing of this community, this blessing of the sanctuary for granted. It's really good that we're here today to hear God's word and to just reflect on the blessings that we have. Right? Verses three through five in our scripture. Jerusalem's built is a city to which the tribes go up. And, and I shared this. The, the pilgrims are coming for a specific purpose. They are coming to worship and give thanks to God. And they are very proud of the blessings that they've been given. And then in verse 6, the Hebrew goes like this. It says, Sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim. And you're like, yeah? What's that mean? Well, maybe you recognize the word shalom. Uh, it's a word for peace. Yerushalayim is Jerusalem, so peace, Jerusalem. Pray for peace of Jerusalem. You know, even back in the Old Testament time, the, the people were concerned about praying for peace in Jerusalem. We should be concerned about praying for that peace literally today. Why is it? Because this is a, 
a site of a lot of religious activity. It's a hotbed. And if you turn on the evening news any given day, chances are you're going to hear of some kind of strife going on in the Middle East that has to do with uh, this particular region. You and I should be praying for the peace of this particular city. And they're very specifically, all that's going on there, it may break your heart to hear the war and, and, the, and the strife and, and everything. This is where God ministered himself. And this is where just outside those city walls, he went to the cross for us. And it's, it's hard to take in. It's hard to see those images on the screen and realize that there's, there's all this strife. But this strife has been going on for the ages. Actually, Jesus, when he approaches the city of Jerusalem... Um, this is how Luke records what he sees and what he does. He, he catches sight of the city. He's getting set to enter in on this donkey. And as he catches sight of the city, do you see what it says right there in Luke 41? It says, when Jesus drew near, he saw the city. What did he do? Please respond. What did he do? He wept. You see, we're used to the story in the verse, the very short verse where he wept at Lazarus' tomb. As Jesus is getting ready to enter into Jerusalem, he, he weeps. He is compelled to cry by the state of the city and what he sees. People living far from him. And then this is what he says. He says, oh, that you would know, even you had known, that this day the things that we're going to make for peace... And what is it that Jesus does to make for peace? He, he marches in, wipes those tears, he gets on that donkey, and he rides in. And he looks at the people with compassionate eyes as they don't understand what they're saying when they cry out, Hosanna. They don't understand what they're doing when they nail him to a cross and they lift him up, and he cries out, Father, forgive them. The state of the city, the state of sinners, you and me. You and me, we contributed to Jesus being there. And, and for that, we are eternally grateful. And, and we should pray for not only just the peace of Jerusalem, for, for the peace of all people. To understand the true peace comes from the risen and resurrected Christ. And then motivated by that peace, uh, the verses continue. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Has anybody ever heard of this community here being like a little bubble? I mean, this is kind of a Christian bubble. It's okay to be Christian in Frankenmuth, isn't it? Right? I mean, think about what's happening just, just today alone. We're gathered here at St. Lawrence. St. John's Lutheran is gathered, probably hearing a similar Palm Sunday story, or the, reflecting on uh, Palm Sunday. You got King of Kings gathering. Blessed Trinity is holding Mass, and, and they're also talking about Palm Sunday and Jesus coming into Jerusalem. The Methodist Church is gathering. Right? And don't forget Church Grove Road, the Bible Church. You got New Hope Community just in town. If you go out to the Dixie, you got Agape Christian Fellowship. You go out towards Saginaw, you see that victorious believers sign along the freeway. I mean, people are gathering all over this community and beyond to hear this story, this amazing story of Jesus riding into town on a donkey for the purpose of saving humanity. 
We're unified in that message. And, and it's something that we in this Western world uh, take for granted. And, and so we get to pray for peace and, and security within our communities. Because, like I said, what's happening in the Middle East? You have Iraqi Christians being persecuted. You have Sudanese refugees or Christian refugees starving in those camps. Afghan Christians being arrested for simply saying they believe in Jesus. It's not safe to be a Christian in other parts of the world. And so, tucked within the security of that great city, the Old Testament people, pilgrims, would pray, Lord, continue to maintain peace here. And we as Christians get to continue to pray. You see, we as Christians, regardless of the flavor of our Christian faith, uh, we are unified in the message of the cross. However, we are not in fellowship with one another. For various different ideas and, and theological differences, the Christian community as a whole is at odds with one another, fighting with one another over what this means and what that means. And you know what the rest of the world's doing? What a bunch of goofballs. They can't even agree on what they believe. And I wonder if God's heart breaks. There will be a day when the Christian church is unified and we're standing in God's presence, and that's something that we should never take for granted. And we can be in conversations with one another with the purpose of sharing Jesus for the sake of our fellow brothers and sisters that do not know him. And that's what the next section of scriptures talks about. We do this for my brothers and companions' sake. I will say, peace be within you. And for the sake of the house of the Lord, your God, I will seek your good. Look around here at your brothers and sisters in Christ that were excited to come to worship this morning and to hear the good news of Jesus and him risen from the dead. And I pray that this community strengthens you and that we pray for one another and we do this for each other's good. Now, here's the thing. You and I don't need to travel to the temple to worship God. Why is that? Because the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has set up shop right here in your heart. You are God's temple. And some of you may be going, really? (laughs) Pastor said I don't have to go to church anymore. I'm not saying that. Okay. A lot of us have this relationship with God and ourselves, but remember we have this horizontal relationship with our brothers and sisters also, this Christian community that we, we support one another for our own good. In the next couple of days, the pews are going to be a little bit more filled. By the time Easter Sunday rolls around, you are not going to have this much elbow room. All right, you'll be like me as that little kid in your suit and, and uh, elbow to elbow with people. It'll be a little bit more crowded. But I'm here to tell you that there will be people who do not believe in God sitting in these pews on Easter Sunday. And what can we do as a Christian community? We can pray for their good. We can pray for their sake. We can extend a Christian hand of fellowship. We'll know who the visitors are, right? Why is that? Because they will come in and they'll go, wow. And they'll take it all in. The music, the word, and you and I, as we look for the good of our fellow brothers and sisters beyond these walls that enter into this place for the first time. 
can extend a hand to a Christian fellowship and say something like, it's good to see you. Can we do that work for the sake of our brother and sister? Yes, yes, yes. I love Lutherans. I really do. We are compelled by Scripture and by what Jesus has done to always look for those that do not know Christ uh, and to be able to share the hope that we have. And Easter Sunday is a fantastic opportunity to do that. Keep your eyes open. Be sensitive to those that may be here for the first time and say, you know, it's really good to see you. Uh, We have more services next week, too. You're welcome to come by. And you know what? Maybe you're going to be talking to someone who's been a lifelong member here, and that's okay, too. Uh, you don't know them, you can start to foster a relationship with them. And we do that for the sake of one another in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.